This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the podcast that's all about the greatest football club in the land, Wickham Wanderers. I'm Michael Kenny, and I'm joined this week by Chairboys fans Adam Cooper, Dan Clark, Dara John, and the head of media for Wickham Wanderers women, Craig Anderson. On this episode, we look back at this past weekend's draw against Milton Keynes, preview our crucial Easter games against Ipswich Town and Forest Green Rovers, and learn about the women representing our famous light and dark blue quarters. Let's kick off with the action from this past weekend and the visit of local rivals MK Dons to Adams Park. The latest instalment of the Bucks derby saw MK race into the lead after less than 10 minutes, our opponents taking advantage of another defensive lapse of concentration. Luckily, we have David Wheeler, whose neat brace turns the fixture in our favour just before the hour mark. Currently fighting for their League One status, MK clawed their way back into the game, once again capitalising on sloppy defensive work and ultimately leaving HB12 with what could be a season-defining point. Adam, not for the first time we've been undone by some poor defending. Uh, What are your thoughts on the game? And perhaps more crucially, what do we need to do to tighten up at the back? Yeah, it was frustrating again, wasn't it? Against my favourite team, or my second favourite team. (laughs) (laughs) We've spoken about it on previous episodes, and it seems to be since the the change of manager that we're getting caught very, very square. It could be something as simple as we're missing a beater, and the fact that that JJ's playing at left-back rather than centre-back is leaving us a little bit exposed. Obviously, as quite a difference in the pace between the two of them. It could be something a little bit more complex and a little bit more tactical. Um, The goal was a really, really frustrating one to give away because it was so avoidable. But as you said, you know, I think we we had to rally a bit. Wheels got a double. And again, you look at, you look at the opportunities that we had. um, You look at the amount of ball that we had in the, uh, particularly in the second half in and around their box. We probably did enough to win it, but you know, I, I I said last week we are going to absolutely batter somebody at some point, but you know 
it has to come quickly. We're rapidly running out of games. And, you know, if we still see ourselves as serious playoff potentials, then, you know, we've really got to pick up and start learning how to hold on to a lead. Um, and if we're worried about holding on for a, to a lead because of our defensive frailties, then we've got to learn to go for the throat and, and try and get, you know, two or three goals ahead when we're in the ascendancy because it, it seems like, you know, we've gone from a club who are keeping 15, 16, 17 clean sheets to a club who are going to concede every game. Um, so lots of frustrations, but again, positives to come out of it. It's great to see wheels on the score sheet. It was good to see Taft get some more minutes in his legs. So not completely downhearted, but um, at the same time, a little bit frustrated and looking forward to Friday. I do have to say, I think there are some systematic issues that are coming into play with how we are pressing as a team, how we are playing in passing, in basically everything. At times, we saw certain players wanting to play a short passing and a high pressing game, and some players trying to drop back and play it longer. I saw Josh Gowan frustrated at times because he was trying to push very high up the pitch, but nobody else was joining him, and you could see the frustration on his face. And I think that is something that would improve, hopefully, with time. But it is really concerning to see. I think when the going got tough, we sort of reverted to how he played under Ainsworth, for good or bad. But we don't play under Ainsworth anymore. We play under Matt Bloomfield, and we need our players to play how he wants to play. And I think as well, something that really concerned me, I was sitting in my bedroom watching it. Only two or three players, when it got tough, the second half, it was a bit of a slog, it was a bit of a battle. Only two or three players truly turned up and were really fighting. I think Wheeler, obviously, Josh Gowan was constantly trying to make things happen, but a lot of the players just sort of looked like passengers. And that's something you couldn't have said about Wickham players the, the past 10 years. Every single one of them has wanted to fight, and if they didn't, they're, they're gone. So that's really concerned me now. But I'm hoping that with a pre-season, with a new transfer window, new players coming in and key ones re-signing, as we've seen the past couple of days, that we can hopefully get more of what Matt Bloomfield's trying to imprint on this team. I think when <clears throat> when you're looking at a back four and you know the, the, the wall in front of it, Josh Scowen's obviously been phenomenal and it's his first game back. Tafazoli, it was his first game back as well, I believe. And you know, you're moving parts of you know any team at any level. You're moving people around. Grimm has been playing centre back, and let's be fair, like, I think doing a pretty decent job. And um, despite the fact on uh, knowing knowing me, knowing Blues that he did, he said he still prefers playing right back. But credit where credit's due, he's been fantastic at right back. But he was moved back out there. Taf's come back in, which is great. So, you know, you're moving all these parts around. We missed, like, absolutely Miss Thompson and Gape and stuff and Scowan as a, as a, you know, as a two or a three. You know, that, that wall in front of a back four is, um, is so important. And that structure is what wins you football matches. I think Sir Alex Ferguson once famously said, goals win you games, but defences win you titles. And whether it's titles or playoff spots, that's, that's what defensive situations get you. That was my thoughts on on just you know how we're doing, which I think is is well considering the the players that we have and the injuries that we've had as well. We had so many injuries, and the fact that we're still there or thereabouts is a credit to the to the to the boys and the credit to the players that are playing. And the other thing I wanted to touch upon, which we may get to later, was in my opinion the unnecessary level of abuse given to Anthony Stewart. I thought was ridiculous, in my opinion. Some may disagree, you know, some are very passionate and I appreciate that. But I thought 
the the service he's done for this club you know he's come through what was the the academy and yes it didn't work out at Aberdeen yes it didn't even work out in Northampton when he went there many years ago but he came back and he's an absolute as far as I'm concerned, one of the best centre-half performances in this club's history at uh, Wembley against Oxford and um, and stopped them scoring at least four, four or five goals and scored himself as well, let's be fair. So, yeah, that was just my take on, on the abuse that he got from certain sections. And certain sections didn't, certain sections did clap him um, when, when he, when he uh, was, was taking throw-ins or near the touchline. But there were certain, certain parts I thought was, was a bit unnecessary, a bit too much in my opinion. I don't think Bloomfield's learnt from his last eight games. We're getting more possession and we don't win games with possession. So he just needs the team to give away the ball a bit more and then we're going to start winning games. So that's that's my theory. I mean, MK Dons, we have 54% possession. So, you know, and we drew 2-2. We're, we're, we're not going to win. So let's, uh, let's start giving the ball away a bit more. I really think that it was just one of those frustrating games again. We don't ever seem to kind of do well against the lesser, I wouldn't say lesser because it's probably a wrong term, but, but teams down the bottom half of the table this season. Um, we just seem to have a very kind of hit and miss um, run of form with them. So actually, I'm you know, I'm, I'm really hopeful for Ipswich on Friday because we're playing against a team that hasn't conceded in seven and we usually like to upset, upset that record a bit. It was just, it was frustrating. We didn't take our chances. And, you know, the while I was at Adam's part, the notifications were coming through my phone once Milton Keynes has scored. And both times it's Wickham failed to clear. So each time it's a case of us not getting the ball out of the box quick enough. And that's what's cost us that game, really, uh, which which is a bit frustrating. I mean, to be honest with you, for the second goal, I don't think Wing could have done much. There was too much backspin on the ball. And I think it caught him off guard. I don't think there's too much you could do about that. But, all in all, if you look at you know, we only had two shots on target, and that was Wills's two goals. Which, uh, you know, we talk about Josh being important, but David Wheeler is equally as important for this team, for for what he brings in terms of versatility. He's going to be huge for us next season. I'm so glad we've got him because he's a brilliant player and he's a brilliant person off the pitch as well. So, yeah, I think you know it's really important that we keep hold of him. He's he's going to be really important in this last part of the season. It's just. MK wasn't it, it? It was one of those games where you were oh so close to the playoffs again. You know, if we'd won that, we would have been equal points with Derby. That would have been lovely. But it's such a Wickham end to the season, isn't it? That we we kind of go heading into you know playoff run that we're oh so close, but oh so far. I'm 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 hopeful and still remain hopeful, but. I, I don't know. I, I'd looked at uh, I looked at Barnsley, and you look at you're at, well. We'll see how it switch are on Friday, but who knows? I, I, I don't know if we're we're strong enough really for the end of the season. Just jumping in there about that point that Craig made um, about Anthony Stewart. It's um, it was it was quite sad to see <clears throat> somebody who's played so many games for Wickham get booed. Yeah, I think when you look back at his um, at his past, I think. He came through the academy with us, went to Crew quite publicly for more money. Didn't work out at Crew. I think I think he had a couple of spells out on loan as well. Came back to us, you know, had the uh, the playoffs and a lot of success again. The club didn't offer him a substantial enough sum, so he went up to Aberdeen, and uh, and you know it's gone wrong, and he's found himself at MK Dons. Do we think that had he signed for? Forest Green or Cambridge or another side down the bottom. Do we think that the reception would have been different for him, or do we think that 
there are a section of the support who just feel like he's gone for money, full stop. No, honest, honestly, I think um, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you're absolutely right, Adam. If you'd have gone to Forest Green or or anybody else, then yeah, it would have been standing ovation. Anthony Stewart's back. What a legend! Welcome back. And I think it's just the the fact that the sometimes you can't see past the shirt. Some people, whether that's right or wrong, and in this situation, I just I just think it was it was wrong. Like if that was. Do you know what? Even if that was like, if Matt Bloomfield was still playing and he'd left and he'd gone to MK to play football, I still think there would have been a, a section that would have booed him, regardless of over 500 appearances and captain. And he went to Cole, didn't he? And he's uh, he's been welcomed back. So well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that, but but I, I think that's maybe because what the colour he's wearing. If he was wearing, yeah. if Anthony Stewart comes back to Wickham in the summer, for example. Uh, you know who who's who's to say that they'll be like oh just banter Anthony do you know what I mean we, we were just joking around but yeah I don't know I just felt very uncomfortable with uh, with with the atmosphere in there we've got to remember for all of these people it's a job you know he's gone to Aberdeen it's not worked out for him and he's faced a, you know he's faced some vitriolic abuse by the Aberdeen's fans rightly or not even rightly in this in this case he, he's doing his job and I know obviously it's not to the standard that they want but it's not worked out for him he's signed for Dons on him on deadline day and that might be because there's not many other offers out there and to be honest with you you've got a job you want to get out of that kind of situation you don't blame him for taking the first thing that he can MK Dons obviously need him and they're probably if you really look at the caliber of where he needs to be I think they're the only team in that bracket that probably could afford his wages so it was inevitable that he was going to go somewhere like that anyway you know I don't think Forest Green Cambridge Morecambe anyone like that could could afford what he was on coming from a Scottish Premier League down to down to mid to lower league one so you know you, you can't blame him I mean obviously you know we we know how we all feel especially how Adam feels about the you know MK but at the end of the day, it's a job for them. We shouldn't be abusing players because they've decided to do something for the better of their family. It's it's just it's, it. It was a shame to hear it, but to be honest with you, the thing that made me a little bit happy was that the first boo he got, he just kind of laughed and laughed, you know shrugged it off. So he, he just probably takes it in jest and leaves it at that. But you know, just people need to give their bit of a, a bit their head a bit of a shake. To be honest. I don't I don't like the booze. I think football is you know, there's that acknowledgement that football's just a really primal, tribal sport. I didn't hear anything about any racial abuse. I didn't hear anything about any particular vitriol aimed his way. I think it was just a, a boo. I, I still don't like hearing it. But I also like the fact that a lot of our media coming out of the club around the game was just a lot of the players with Ant at the final whistle, all hugs. You know, remembering the fact that he did a fantastic job for us, and you know, we'll still go down as a as a modern legend of of the club for what he did and and where he got us a couple of years ago. Let's move on. We're going to turn our attention now to the talented women who represent our football club for the twenty twenty two twenty three season. Wickham Wanderers women have fielded three teams. The first team compete in the fifth tier of the women's pyramid the Southern Region Women's Football League Premier Division, while the reserves and under-18s compete in the Thames Valley County's Women's Football League Division 3 and under-18s division, respectively. 
Heading up the media efforts for the women's teams is Craig Anderson. Uh, we've already had you on, Craig. Thanks for joining. Um, the Southern Region Premier Division has ended now. Can you sum it up for us? How did the girls get on and uh, who were the standout performers this season? So there's there's like two ways you could look at this season. I think uh, one is an on-the-pitch effort and one is off-the-pitch effort. Off the pitch, it's been very, uh, very progressive. It's been a transitional season. Uh, Carl Simon, the manager, came in last season um, in the summer and it, you know did a big, you know, overhaul of, of a few players leaving. Some senior players that are left that have been around for for a while. He tried to give opportunity to a lot of the under 18s to the to some of the reserve players to try and get them in the first team and and really just kind of usher in a a culture, a positive mindset. Um, that I think hadn't, you know, the, the, potentially the girls hadn't been kicking on in past seasons. Um, but yeah, Carl, yeah, he just sort of decided to like to really ramp up that kind of atmosphere. But on the pitch, I think you know didn't go phenomenally. Um, there's only eight teams in the league, which is a very short league, and I think that's something that that we'd like to have more of, more teams. But I think the reason it has so many small, so many. Uh, so fewer teams, sorry, is because it's all regionalised, and I think because there's not there's no money down at Tier Five women's football, you can't be travelling to Birmingham, to Leeds, to Manchester, or every every other week for an away game. It would just, it, you know, the girls would be massively out of pocket themselves, having to dip their money hand in their pocket. So it's just not possible. So I do understand. We do have a few cup competitions. Uh, we played um, Reading this season as well um, in the uh, Barks and Bucks. Cup, which was an experience, you know, playing a WSL side. You know, it's always an experience. And February was great. February we went unbeaten, uh, and we got to the uh, got to the League Cup semi final um, against Ascot, which which wasn't meant to be. But I think now the main focus moving from this moment forward is to is pushing recruitment. If you see on our social media, we're always pushing recruitment now and we are still pushing for a, um, a, a any postseason friendlies. I know Carl, the manager, is, is very keen to to get the girls more game time um, and, and, and extend that season. Um, and I think it's the 14th of May. I'm pretty sure it's the 14th of May. We have a sponsor's day where we're playing Maidenhead United at home. Um, for a sponsor's day. So that's going to be like the a bit of an end of season sort of event, um, as well as bringing down some of the, our key sponsors and thank them for their support this season. Um, and to, and, to, and just to sort of cap off the season, hopefully in nice nice May weather, but knowing our luck, it'll be raining in England. So we'll, uh, we'll soon find out. How have the attendances been this season? Because obviously on the wave of the Euros win and the World Cup coming this year, you know, the interest has obviously gone up in women's football which is great and you know obviously we're seeing much more on tv nowadays exactly what we want to see you know it's it's nice to see different styles of the game because obviously I, I feel the women's game is much different to men's in terms of tactics and and kind of how they approach it and things like that so how, how have the attendances been and I think you know I'd like to kind of open up really how how do we increase those attendances increase that interest because at the end of the day it's football we all love football we're all behind Wickham you know just how can we do more for that you can increase the attendance by coming uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's the natural one yeah like, you know uh, to lead a horse to water and all that but yeah come first um but I I, I joke I know what you mean I think the the tackle the attendances I think it's really in it's really good for me to sort of, and what we do as a team is we look at how many people go and watch uh, the men play football. And we have to then work on a percentage of that because first and foremost, we are aiming 
at hardcore Wickham fans, hard, the, the ones that go in minus five degrees on a Tuesday. Every and, Tuesday and, in Wickham then. Well, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And we, we did play at Adams Park at the beginning of the season uh, in the FA Cup and we got 271 uh, attend and if you look at the what well, I think it's fair to say five thousand normally go for the for the on a on a Saturday for the for for the for the men I think in, on a on a solid Saturday not including away fans um, we are over that we've kind of based that on a five percent of of the men so that's what I think five percent of of five thousand is two hundred and fifty so we you know from adam's part point of view we 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 hit that 5% which we were really happy with and all the girls came off from that game absolutely buzzing normally at a home game for the first team we get anywhere between 50 to 70 people now for tier 5 for the region we we you know it's of course that's not like what they want we want more people to come we want a hundred. I think that's been our target all season between myself and uh, Bobby, who again you won't know about maybe Bobby, but Bobby was doing the social media before I came in. She still does it with me. She's we're very much um, uh, sort of gruesome twosome, if you like. Uh, she did her ACL and she's been injured for a while, but she's uh, started playing again now. But she does a lot of the social media, a lot of the graphics are her, but all the graphics are her. Um, and, and she'll do in-game tweets if she's injured and not playing. So between me and her, our, one of our goals and targets and, and the Wickham Trust and the management team at Wickham have been to try and break those three figures at Burnham. Hasn't quite happened this season. But like anything, if you're winning football matches, people might come and watch you play. And obviously, sadly, it's not gone quite our way this season. So, you know, next season, um, hitting three figures at home is 100% our uh, our target. Yeah, Craig, I've got a little bit of experience of, of women's football. I've coached and, and referees women's football. I'm now a chairman at our local village football club. We don't have separate um, girls facilities, but we do have a number of girls playing at all ages. A really big question for me is that as, you know, most of us are keen on football in the community and, you know, developing football locally, talking to the girls, is there any way that you think that as coaches and people who are responsible for these clubs that we can get more girls involved and more importantly, keep girls involved into their teams? You know, we all know that it's... It, it's pretty easy picking a picking a girl up for a football team at five and six when their friends are playing, but actually keeping them interested into their early teens seems to be where it's most difficult. Have you picked up any sort of hints and tips from from the girls or working closely with Bobby as to to how that might be possible? Well, I think first and foremost, that is a, an absolutely fantastic question. And I personally don't think I'm nowhere near qualified to answer such an important question but I will give you my opinion one one of the things that we're very very keen on is and we do have a good link with is the Wickham Wanderers Foundation they used to be called Wickham Wanderers Set now the foundation and the coaches there they look after boys and girls all the way down to I think five and six you know whether they're going into schools and doing sessions and play sessions after school or whether it's actual you know, structured coaching sessions of an evening uh, and playing games. Yeah, getting the girls in. And we we ha- we ha- are having two or three of those girls come through in bit by bit, kind of coming through. They train with us. 
Um, obviously, you know, 14, 15, you have to be obviously like, you know, not to overtrain these these people and keep keep them uh, as 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 fresh as you can. Really, I think there's overplaying kind of thing for that. But because we have an under 18s team and then a reserve team and then a first team, there is that pathway. So once they start training, because we all train together, you know, we might be separate with the 18s over there, then the reserves, then the first team. Everyone can see everyone. So if you're an under 18, if you're 15, 16, 17, and you're looking over at the seniors and you're thinking, I could do that, it gives you that motivation. So once you're in with us, I think the motivation's there, the the, the opportunities are there. All you have to do is look at our socials at the moment when we're doing this recruitment drive. And you can see that, the, the, you know, we, we've got very, very, very qualified staff. We've got a facility where we train twice a week, play on a Sunday, uh, physios, obviously the, the media side of things. So there's, we're giving everyone the opportunity to do that as well. The other strong link that we've, we've, we're having better and better is with uh, Berks and Bucks FA. Um, we've Myself and one of the under-18s coaches had a meeting quite recently uh, about how they were saying to us, how can we help you get the message out there? And they have 14,000 girls of, of various ages, all the way from, from, I think he said, from five to 80. And, uh, you know, so again, that's that's brilliant. You know, not only are girls playing from a young age, but they're still playing, um, you know, and, and to the women and, and, and their elders in their senior years. So I think keeping women in football of any age is, is, um, is something that I've seen and something that the girls themselves can see. But, you know... It's a great question, Adam. I think hopefully I've touched upon it a little bit, but there were, there, like I say, in regards to how do we keep them in, I, you know, give them opportunity, give them as much opportunity to play football. And if that's in schools and that's through the foundation or that's through other various um, outlets, then then fantastic. But give them a ball, let them play and give them an equal opportunity as, as much as uh, men and boys do. I don't know how much of this question you'll actually be able to answer. I was just wondering how much support the club gives the women's teams in terms of not just financial support, but in terms of staffing. Do you get similar levels of coaching and medical team support? Do you get similar levels in terms of training facilities? Or is there still things that could potentially be improved? Everyone that works for Wickham Wonders Women, no one's paid. Okay, that might surprise you, but not one person is paid. That's including me. No, none of us are paid. I have a degree in media. All the coaches are qualified, way for B level. So some of them are, are C, but they're all all qualified coaches. But nobody is paid. Phys, the physios that we have, again, qualified physios. So again, everything you see is a professional standard, just without that financial thing. In regards to do the club support, the club backers, they do, but we're not actually owned by Wickham Wanderers. We are owned by the trust. So Wickham Wanderers Trust, who own at the moment 25% of the main club, they own the, the girls. They own that, that, that club, if you like. And they will sort out things like if we've got an away day, they'll sort the, the bus out. If we've got you know sponsors coming down, they'll get sponsor, you know, help us. But again, as well as them helping us get sponsors, a number of our coaches also go out and get sponsors for the girls. The girls themselves go out of their way to get sponsors for them. You see it a lot of the time in the men. The men say, oh, we've got uh, four players left with home and away sponsors. The girls will do the same. A lot of them will go out to their, their place of work and they will uh, they will say to their work, can you sponsor me for the season? And they will they will sponsor them for the, for the whole season. So 
everyone is is like I said, everyone is qualified. Everyone is is that does their jobs, does their jobs extremely well. But in regards to the financial aspects, no, we're not paid. <laughs> Touching on that, because obviously, do you know I'm a trust member, and I didn't actually know that <clears throat> the you know it was owned by the trust. So that's, that's oh. quite eye opening for me that that that's the case. And you know it's it's good because it, it demonstrates actually that there might be something that we can do as trust members to kind of help raise, raise the profile. I'm touching on obviously the relationship with, with Wickham as well. Something that's come out this week is in the, on the men's side of things is the season tickets. Now, obviously at the moment in terms of the season tickets, you get your seat to the game, but as a season ticket holder, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that believes that we should get more you know that there should be more benefits um as a season ticket holder a part of that is actually probably integrating with the women's team i know season tickets are 25 pound which is very affordable anyway but for the sake of you know getting the numbers up and and getting past that you know that triple figure down at burnham i think you know actually offering the women's games as part of the season ticket offer would be absolutely you know, phenomenal. I think what, what difference, I mean, it might already be done because I've seen it done elsewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, theorizing here, but you know, it's little things like that that get people down, get people interested. And then, you know, when you've got young girls that are going and watching that and going, actually I can get involved with that. And that's quite easy to get involved with because, you know, they've got an academy in place where they've got, you know, younger teams that I can join because, you know, I've got my daughter and in, you know, where I live, I think there's one team compared to four boys teams. You know, so the options need to be there, and I think you know that that could probably go a long way to to really supporting that. But I think you know, is is there more that the club could do? You know, that could support. I think touching on your first point first is there'll always be extra stuff that 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 whoever can do something. You know, I uh, where you in this instance you were saying about the trust. The trust again, the trust do a lot for us in respects to they pay the rent for Burnham, they pay. For you know, the girls have never had a place where they play and train at the same time. Obviously, I'm very lucky I've come in the season, but before that, there's players that have been there for you know seven, eight years, and they're like, "This is the best we've ever had it." So ev- things have improved, which is it's incredibly important to say. You know, like say the girls don't, you know, this they, we do socials and things like that, and the, the trust pay pay for them as well. In regards to your 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 top question about combining season tickets or including season tickets, I think it's because it's owned. It's different ownerships, so I think that that makes it a little bit more trickier to kind of to kind of all put in together. But you're right, twenty five quid. I know it's it's twenty five quid over a season is 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 you know even in the moment with everything you know prices increasing is still pretty good. Under 18s are free, so if you've got kids, your kids don't have to pay at all. So and if you don't have a season ticket and you come to the odd game, it's only three pound. So it, it, it's things like that that. Are, you know, again, it's all pretty affordable. Three quid's what's cheaper than a pint these days, isn't it? So it is. I think it's more from the awareness perspective because it, yeah. you know you can say it's three quid, but you've got to promote that each game. Whereas season ticket, I know that you know well, when's the next women's game coming up, I can go yeah. down to that. So it's actually obviously you know split in proportion of funds. Completely get that. I know it's two separate companies, but you know at the end of the day, it's more more of an awareness thing and actually you know getting bums mm-hmm. on seats. I think the fact that we have a first team, a reserve team, and an under 18s team, there is like ample opportunity to kind of you can go and watch any any of them. The, the reserves, yeah. there's the reserves, all the first team, and nearly one of them are always at home two o'clock on a Sunday. It's very rare for both of them to be away, and then the under 18s will be playing Saturday mornings at half past ten. 
So it, it, more of it is from the feedback that we, we've seen and the feedback that we've kind of got from, from people is, is it's a time kind of thing that they, you know, if they've gone and watched the men on a Saturday, people are saying, oh, we can't, you know, uh, it, it's can't commit another couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon or Burnham's too far from Wickham if you're all based in Wickham. So, you know, we are trying and there's all aspects of everything that the trust are doing that we are doing internally just as a club and the girls and the coaching staff that we are trying to 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 push this and to get people to come down and have a look. And as I say, the, the men's team are very supportive. Play, men's players are very supportive on social media. They interact with us a lot. As does the as does the uh, the media team. In fact, you'll see now if you go to Wickham Wonders Women's Twitter account, you'll see a little logo next to our name, and that logo and that name is the Wickham's men's account. So we can't get more more affiliated and more public than that. You know, that's that's get that that cred that gives us a lot of accreditation and that gives us you know a lot of a lot of stuff that we can do on Twitter that we couldn't do before. So. You know, that's the we are getting that support, but again, the more the more people that come and watch, the the better. Absolutely. Just a couple of uh, of really quick points from me, Craig. And I'm not just saying this because you're on. Um, I make absolutely no shame in saying that I played in uh, in a game that was put on by the trust uh, a couple of years ago. Just I think it was just as we came out of COVID. Um, it might even have been before COVID, and they invited some of the girls that or ladies team down to play. I played football <clears throat> Sunday league all my life, and I can honestly say that evening pretty much ended what little football career I had. Three or four of the girls <laughs> were absolutely fantastic. I think Bobby played that game actually, and uh-huh. I was absolutely stunned by by the technique, the pace of it, the strength of it. I mean, I'm six foot seven and shall we, shall we say 15 stone plus, uh, <laughs> being quite generous. And uh, and I was absolutely amazed by the quality. Secondly, took my little one and a friend with her two little ones down to the game at Adams Park earlier this season, I think, in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. And once again, the standard was absolutely fantastic for for what you're watching for the money that was being charged the standard was really really good you know you're not going and watching professionals who are being paid two three four five thousand pound a week you're you're paying money to go and pay to go and watch normal people play football and i think when you compare it to to kind of the non-league in the men's game I would have said the standard was probably a little bit higher as far as the pace was concerned the technique was concerned <clears throat> it wasn't a strength there and also for anybody who has got kids, the language was a little bit more family friendly and the girls interacted with all the kids after the game absolutely superbly. So I just wanted to to make sure that I shared my experiences of the girls with everybody because I think it's important. You know, people thinking, oh, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to be decent standard. Am I going to be asleep by halftime? Actually, my experience of it has been nothing but positive. I, thank you, Adam. And that's, I you know, I think your your experience there is is what a lot of people have maybe the first time they go and watch, maybe not just Wickham's women's team, but any women's game. I think they are surprised that, oh my goodness me, these girls are really good and they are really good. And yes, the atmosphere around it is, a, again, from being a Wickham fan for, for 20 years and watching all sorts of commotion and, um, and, you know, oh, ref, you got that one a bit wrong, didn't you? Sort of uh, comments from the stands, like the everyone's attitude on a, on a women's pitch is is a bit more positive. There's there's no, I don't think I've heard one bad word said to one ref all season. 
And, you know, again, from the stands as well, I think, you know, don't get me wrong, you get some very excited people that, you know, get carried away, but it's it's few and far between compared to, to, to men's football. Absolutely. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, mate. Well, excellent. I think this has been a really good introduction to Wickham Wanderers women, the free, the free teams that we have. Craig, when does the new season start? Do we have the fixtures announced yet or do we have a rough kind of understanding of when they'd be announced? It'll be during the summer, um, sort of July time, I think, June, July. That's when we sort of get a bit of an indication of what's happening. And and because uh, again, we might have more teams might come up, more restructuring. They're always looking to ways to improve. So it's not as as absolutely dead structured as, as men's football is. There's always points of improvement. I think the next big one, obviously, is May 14th is the Sponsors Day. So we would love to get a bit of a crowd down for that as well. So if people did want to kind of come and get, have a taste of what it's like for women's football down at Burnham, especially Wickham, uh, May 14th, uh, Sunday, 2 o'clock kickoff, absolutely come to that. But again, the season will reconvene, if not late August, very early September. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to hearing what the first set of fixtures are going to be and looking forward to continuing our coverage of the women's sides uh, as this podcast continues. If you haven't already, go and follow the Wick and Wanderers Women Twitter account at WWFC Women and immerse yourself in what is an exciting thing that's going on with the club at the moment. The Chairboys head into the business end of the 22-23 League One season with a pair of Easter games that could make or break our campaign. First, we head to Portman Road for a showcase with automatic promotion contenders Ipswich Town in what will almost certainly be our toughest test of the year. Ipswich's recent form speaks for itself. Unbeaten in the league since the 21st of January, Kieran McKenna's men have won their last seven and haven't conceded a goal for over 12 hours of total game time. Dara, this is a huge game for Bloomfield and the boys. Uh, Ipswich have only been beaten four times this season so far, but one of those was our excellent 1-0 win back in December. What are your expectations? What are your hopes and fears heading into this absolutely massive test? My expectation is a loss. Very simple. We are one of four teams to beat them, but we are not that team. We played very, very well that game. And if we are being honest, we got a little bit lucky with that goal. Hanlon rarely scores. Happened to there. And I think what we're going to have is they have scored a lot. There's only one game in their past seven. They've scored less than one. So for me, a positive from this match will be honestly losing by less than a goal or less than two goals keeping it to a minimum, having a good shape, showing some things that we didn't show versus MK Dons, trying to be more defensively solid, trying to be a bit more compact, trying not to give away silly goals like we did against Milton Keynes. So I am fully expecting a 1-2-3-0 loss, but I want to look for positives that we can take into the last couple of games after that. Well, one positive is we're playing on a Friday, so we don't win on Saturdays. So we're guaranteed three points nailed on, as far as I'm concerned. We're under no illusions it's going to be tough. I think it'll be a, a good game. It, look, it's going to be hard. They've sold out their, their home end. It's going to be a tough atmosphere. And, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting anything really, but I, I think we're Wickham. We, we, do things the hard way and 
you know, whereas we lose 2-1 to Burton and draw 2-2 with MK at the bottom of the table, you know, 1-0 win against Ipswich is just very, very Wickham. So let's 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 just keep positive, I think. You know, I'm fully expecting us to have a fantastic win against Ipswich for us to then lose against Forest Green on Monday. That would just be <laughs> the most... It would just be us all over, wouldn't it, really? But we've got some players coming back, hopefully, by the looks of it. I think, you know, there's a good, like, feel-good factor about the club this week. We play a sign-in back on for next year. You know, there were so many concerns about contract extensions, and I don't think the overhaul that we're all predicting is is probably going to be as big as we initially thought it would be because it looks like, you know, we're keeping the core of the squad. So, you know, now people's futures are a bit more certain. That might relax people a bit. Who, Who knows? But it's all to play for, isn't it? You know, Derby... Bolton, in terms of form at the moment, have got four and five points from the last, I think, six games or something like that. They're some of the worst form teams in the country. You know, we, we've got Peterborough, you know, to compete with. You know, in and around that, let's let's just go hell for leather and see what happens. So, just need a bit of hocus pocus in there, a bit of magic. I'm more positive about Friday than I am about about Monday. I think. Um, you look at over the course of the season who we've beaten or who we've played well against, you know, <clears throat> I don't think anybody will argue the fact that we were the better side against Barnsley at home, just couldn't hit the back of the net. We've beaten Peterborough home and away, who are a decent side. We've beaten Portsmouth. You know, we've had some really, really strong results against the sides at the at the top of the league. We prefer having less of the ball, which I think we will have away at Ipswich. I think also there's going to be sort of a bit of, almost personal pride in it for Matty. You know, it's the team that he grew up supporting. I think his granddad took him there when he was a kid. And yeah, it's a it's a game that he's going to be really, really keen to impress in. I would think that his family will probably be there with it being Easter weekend and being so close to home. So it's a big one for him. Um, and like you say, you know, one or two bodies coming back. My concern is if we don't get one or two bodies back Friday or Monday, you know, there's going to be some real tired legs out there. Like we said last week, you know, there's players who just haven't had a break because they simply haven't been able to. But, but yeah, I'm relatively positive about Friday, weirdly. I think when it comes to uh, away games, I think there's no pressure. Like, I think that's one of the, the messages he'll, he'll, he may say to the boys before they go out, like, relax, play your own game. Don't worry about them because they're expected to win. They, they, they're at home. They have to win. It's Portman Road. You know, no one's expecting us to come here and, and upset them. Um, so relax, play your own game. And you know what? Sometimes, like you said, away from home without the, the, the pressures of the crowd, sometimes you do relax into it and you, you do sort of, you know, play the villain, uh, you know, play that, you know, like we like to do sometimes. And we, we'll slow it down. We'll make it difficult for them. We'll break their rhythm up and, you know, you know, wouldn't surprise me if we if we nicked a if we nicked a one nil and just frustrated the hell out of them. It'd be uh, be lovely to watch. Well, before we get on to our Easter Monday preview, let's let's go around the room. Score predictions for our game against Ipswich. Let's start with you, DJ. I'm going to say it's going to be three one to Ipswich. We can talk all day about positives, how they've played bottom of the league teams since. They're fighting for automatic promotions and they have been in barnstorming form. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a good win for them. I'm going to say 3-1. I think this one's going to be a tough one, but I am going to pin my flag to the mask and say we're going to sneak it. And uh, we're going to we're going to put to bed their record of scoring in so many games. I think we're going to nick it 1-0. 
I'm going with Adam, 1-0 shithouse. 1-0 Jacobson penalty, 85th minute, and he'll put the demons <laughs> to bed from a few years ago where he missed that penalty uh, a few years. So, yeah, 1-0 JJ Penn. Look, I, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm happy to be proven wrong at the end of the day because it means we win, so I'm, I'm hoping you all are right. <laughs> I really hope you all are right because it means if I'm wrong, I'm happy and wrong, so fuck it, who cares? Yeah, look, look, I am, uh, I'm biologically incapable of picking against Wickham. I, I'm going to go with, with a 1-0. I think we're going to get a lot of Ipswich Town fans calling us cockwombles on social media. So 1-0, <laughs> sneak it in. There we go. Easter Monday has us back at Adams Park for the visit of Big Dunk and Forest Green Rovers, who could potentially do us a favour on the Friday as they host fellow playoff hopefuls Derby County. Uh, Dan, Forest Green, are they're effectively down already, pretty much, but they're a side not to be taken lightly, uh, as, they, as we all saw with their recent win over Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, as we have already mentioned, knowing our habit of underperforming against sides below us, what do we need to do to change that and hopefully keep our promotion push alive? Uh, give Forest Green the ball, give them 70% possession and we'll win the game. Simple. <laughs> That's the tactic for Monday. Do you know what? I, I know Forest Green are effectively down, and but I think the thing is, uh, you know, Duncan Ferguson's got a lot to prove for next season. He, he'll want to kind of show they're going down fighting there's a bit of something for them for recruitment next season so I'm under no illusion it's just going to be a walkover you know it looked like it was a bit of a tough game when we went to theirs obviously you know Gareth McCleary master you know stroke in in front of goal kind of sealed us the win there we need we need McCleary and Vokes back I don't think we touched on that with MK we really missed their influence their, their creativity and you know for these two next two games to be successful I keep saying this week on week and going, you know, the next game's going to define our season, essentially, whether we're going to be in the playoffs or not. And then these little opportunities keep going up and, you know, we're still we're two points away from the playoffs. So, but I do think these next two games, is, is it hinges on six points. We could be six points away from the playoffs or we could be well within the playoffs by this time next week. You know, we've we've got to take each game very seriously. They do, They both need two very different game plans. And hopefully, I think the one thing that's going to win us those two games here is the depth. We need that depth back. So hopefully, fingers crossed, the the, the players are back. So the one thing I'd say about Forest Green is actually their defence is probably better than their attack. So I think we need to set up and we need to figure out ways to try and penetrate through that attack, through that defence. I think they've got some good players in there. I think. Godwin, Malif, Dominic Bernard are both very, very good backs. Jamie Robinson as well. So I think we need to figure out a way to get as many as good attackers on the pitch. Obviously, we do that most of the time with Kem, Vokes or Handen, and then McCleary with somebody in the middle, be it Wheeler. But I think we really need to look for a way through them. They tend to play with a quite compact midfield as well. So it might be difficult for our players, TJ, GMAC, to run the ball like they like to. So I think that's actually, do you know what? That's a game sort of conditional. If we get Vokes back for that, hoofball, just hoof it up the pitch, cause some problems. But we're going to struggle if we just try and run in them. So I think they are, by stats, the worst team in the league. We can't take it for granted. But I think we have a good chance. But we do have to be worried about playing into their strengths. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, they're down, aren't they? Let's be 
let's be completely honest, uh, 26 points. I think that's 12 points away from safety. <clears throat> I saw bits of that game with um, with Sheffield Wednesday. Um, like DJ just said, they, they do look like they've got the ability to defend. Well, I think there's going to be two really, really key players in this game. And that's going to be Scowan and Wing. Because they were really, really ridiculously compact against Sheffield Wednesday. And I think we're going to have to use the ball really well when we've got it. And I think Lewis Wing's ability to to pass around corners and the pretty little triangles that Blooms has has started to play could well come into action. Um, this is the kind of game, let's be completely honest, with no disrespect to Forest Green. Um, this is the kind of game that if we've got any thoughts of being in the playoffs, we've got to win. Um, and we've got to win it well. This is the game that I've been talking about. You know, if you have got serious aspirations of being successful in the playoffs this season, this is the kind of game you've got to go out there. But three or four goals past them, we cannot see a, a struggle for ninety minutes and a last minute Tafazoli header nicking a nicking a three points. You know, this needs to be a real big statement win for the last tiny little bit of the. Uh, of the season. This has got to be our best performance under Blooms. And yeah, a, a, a positive three points, taking us into a, a fixture that's notoriously tough for us the week after with uh, with Morecambe. We were talking about there, DJ, you said about the record and, and, and what they're like. Forest Green Rovers have the worst attack in the league and they have the worst defence in the league. They've scored 29, they've let in 72 and they have a minus goal difference of 43 as well as just being on those 26 points. So, you know, again, they'll be going into that game. Maybe how we go into that port, that uh, Ipswich game, they they know they're, you know, they're the underdogs, they're not the favourites, they might relax, no no home crowd to maybe get on their backs. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. I know, Adam, you're saying which could be a statement win and stuff, but seriously, I would take 1-0. At this stage of the season, I would take 1-0, 2-1, win three points. Points are more important than, than performances at this stage of the season to get into the playoffs. And if we can get into the playoffs, often the team that are winning games, regardless of how you win games, the team that get in last and generally end up being the ones that do the best because they're winning and they're not dropping, they're going up. Yeah. So, yeah, they're not doing great, but that, as we all well know, that means absolutely nothing in football. Forest Green can effectively be relegated on Saturday by Friday. Oh, wow. If if they lose and results don't go their way, um, we're banking on Oxford winning and Derby winning there, so it's it's not great for us either way. Mainly because we just don't like like Oxford as much as uh, it's probably the same same dislike that we have for MK Dons, kind of that that side of things where we we say we don't like them, they're just really annoying neighbours. But no, you know, Forest Green might have nothing to play for Monday, so if results go our way, they, they that that might you know work in our favour if they're down. But as as Craig says, you know, we've we've got to take it seriously. We can't just assume that they've got the worst attack, worst defence and say we're gonna roll them over. We can't go in with that attitude. Because we didn't go in un, in that attitude under Gaz really ever as as much as as much as uh other teams would do, maybe. So we just need to take it seriously. I think one thing that Forrest will probably be playing for if they if the result doesn't go their way at the weekend will be the team will be playing potentially for contract extensions and things like that. And Big Dunk, I think given the type of person that we know him to be, given his playing career, given how passionate he was when he was on the touchline at Everton, 
he's not going to want his side to to just lay down. So I, I think they'll probably be harder, uh, no matter what the result is on uh, on Saturday. So with that in mind, what are we going score prediction for the big game on Easter Monday? DJ, kick us off. Um, I'm going to say 3-0. Um, I think we'll figure out a way to get around it. And I think we we have to come out guns blazing. I think if we don't perform against Forest Green, that is a tantamount acceptance we're not getting playoffs we have to come out with everything now agree with dj i think we've got to come out we've got to make a statement as i've already said will we i honestly don't know i'm gonna say two nil win if we go four nil because i've always said make up that goal difference we're now actually only four three goals different when we first started this we were there was a goal difference of eight so we've closed that down very nicely. So if we can do a 3-0 win, which feels realistic against Forest Green, I think we're level on, depending on what happens against it, which and all the other results on Friday, of course. But look how close we are. We can we can compete and get that close. So, yeah, I think that'll be important come the end of the season, considering we've got three teams on 64, one on 62 would be in us. I think it'll be very, very close at that bottom half of the playoffs. One thing that became a bit of a happy sort of accident, if you like, in the first couple of games that uh, Matt Bloomfield was our manager was we scored incredibly early. Um, and if we can do the same again against Forest Green, I think they'll have to come out a little bit. And I think that will definitely open up avenues for for for, for Chem Campbell and, and McCleary and, and um, David Wheeler or, you know, TJ, whoever's whoever in those channels. And if we don't score early, then I think they'll make it very difficult for us. And I think, again... It's depending on how long it goes till we score. If they score first, then we could be in real trouble. But again, I'm going to be very boring and just say 1-0 Wickham. I'm feeling quite optimistic. I know it's a game away. We've got to go to Ipswich first and Easter is always a, it's a bit up in the air. We're going to have some tired legs. And given the fact that we've not got the depth, it's really hard to know exactly what shape we'll be in come Monday. But I think we have to be realistic. We're going up against statistically the worst side in the league I think it'll be harder than we think it will be but given I think 2-0 has been the best result we've gotten under Bloom so far I'm just going to go with a nice tidy optimistic 2-0 win there's reasons to be cheerful part three and one of those is really if you look I mean I think there was a head-to-head on the forms and on the league table um before Gaz went with Blooms now after eight games. And we're actually, I think, a couple of points closer to the playoffs than we were before Gaz went. So looking at that, you know, we've not been lighting up the league uh, as of late, but there's still lots and lots of reasons to be very, very optimistic going into the Easter weekend. And that'll do it for this week. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP12 podcast. If you've liked what you've heard, consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts. And if you haven't already, consider giving us a five-star rating. We'd, well, we'd really like that. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at Dan Clark PR, Dara at Wickham DJ and Craig at the underscore Mr. Anderson. We'll be back next week for another action-packed episode. Until then, crack out the hot crust buns, have a great Easter, and come on you blues.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.